On this episode of the Three Beers, Two Guys, One Movie Podcast, we give Preston his rating for his first ever podcast appearance, then we argue about our marquee picks for our favorite underrated shows and movies, and then we discuss Netflix's show, The Strangers, so let's go! podcast the uh, movie and tv review podcast it's always a little bit buzzed but always entertaining today we're with our good friend and recurring recurring co co-host mr rod budman and of course we welcome back our new featured co-host mr preston barnes from last time how are you guys doing today quite well quite well oh. I mean, obviously, Rod and I are two experienced podcasting titans. We've we've got, I think, what like ten hours under our belts, and then we welcome Preston, who was maybe a little bit green, but I feel like he did a great job last time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless you go off and do another show, you're never going to quite catch our experience level. But I still think yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> All accurate statements. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got more experience on the stage than we do, but we might have a little bit more experience on the uh, the podcasting scene than you do on the podcast microphone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, today we're doing a review of this, and I want to clarify this because what, what we're going to do from here on out is we're I've got a little Google Doc thing, so that means it's super serious. But we're going to keep tabs of every single person's picks. So this week is a Preston pick. Uh, last week was a, a Rod pick. And the next week is going to be a Matthew pick. But this is a Preston pick. And after about, what, you know, uh, 20 or so episodes, we'll keep, we'll, we'll sort of tabulate the views, tabulate the downloads, tabulate the plays and see who wins or whatever. But so this week we're doing a Preston pick. Preston picked this one. It was a uh, The Stranger on Netflix. It's a little British docuseries, do, I'm not docuseries, drama series based on a, <laughs> a Harlan, Coben, Harlan Coben book. Yeah. So that means a bunch of moms and grandmas are going to be fucking loving this episode. So tell your mom, tell your grandmas who are all in some sort of book group or something, what we're talking about. They'll absolutely be fascinated by what we have to say. But before we get to that, we're going to do um, our little marquee pick. So this week, since I think I since I think this series sort of went under the radar, I didn't know it came out. I didn't know anything about it. So Rod had a good suggestion since. We're going to do a little bit uh, under the radar picks, movies and picks that, uh, you know, maybe that you thought were great that other people didn't didn't necessarily see, didn't necessarily agree with you about. So under the radar picks, top three, who wants to go first? Rod, did you, I can't remember who went first last time or Preston. Anybody want to? First last time. Because okay. I, was, I was green, new green. Yeah. So do you want to go last this time? 
Yeah, and also I think I know which one you picked that you're that you think we're gonna be like what? No, no, you don't. I guarantee you don't. Okay. Uh, Preston letting little secrets out in our pre-production meeting. Uh, so I'm gonna go. <laughs> we'll snake. We'll do the same sort of thing. Snake draft. I'll go first. Rod, you go second. We'll let Preston go third, and then we'll sort of wind our way back and forth or whatever. Sounds good with you guys. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. I've got that. COVID-19. All right. Um, number three for me. Number three for me. This is not what you were thinking is going to happen, Preston. But uh, I'm going with Little Big League. Um, during, the, during that time, like 1993, 1994, 1992, there was, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, Rod, you picked, you had something from, uh, what was it, uh, Major League? No, or, or, what was it? Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Uh, Little Big League came out close to the same time. So did Mighty Ducks. I feel like of the movies where people, like the kids, like the guy hooks up with the kid's mom. There's three of them that were popular. This was the least popular one. Kind of unheralded. Kind of like a weird sort of trope that actually happened during all those times where all these kids' movies where like the heroes wound up becoming their dads kind of thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I actually enjoyed the story. I feel like it was a a better storyline, better plot than, you know, the other two, uh, you inheriting a baseball team is actually pretty cool. And also, I'd love to be in charge of a baseball team, also be the manager and stuff like that. Just to, I don't know, I like the premise was great. The execution might not have been as good as the other two. I'm just comparing it to those two. <laughs> wow, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Uh, yeah, obviously, like, rookie of the year. Um, I mean, if we're strictly talking baseball, well, Major League, but that was kind of a more of an adult film. Angels in the Outfield? Angels in the Outfield, yeah. Yeah, so there was Angels in the Outfield, too, Rookie of the Year, obviously. But the, I mean, those were a lot more comedic and a lot more, uh, you know, you had the funky butt loving, you had a weird arm, you had, like, crazy angels. You had, uh, what was his name? Uh, Christopher Lloyd as one of the angels in Rookie of the Year. Just a lot of, like, a lot more... Not dry, uh, the opposite of dry humor, whatever you want to call it, sort of slapstick humor. This one was a lot more subtle, a lot more interesting. Um, I don't know. It, I, I enjoyed it. It just never got sort of the fanfare the other two did. It does fall under the uh, radar in the kind of in a similar light, not the same sport, but there was also uh, around that time Little Giants. Oh, yeah. I mean, I absolutely, I, I mean, that's a great. Great that's a great, I absolutely love Little Giants. <laughs> I feel like Rod would be a huge Little Giants fan. Icebox. The annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, I, I still love, I forget the name of the football player, but when they like sort of like at the end, all the professionals step off the bus or whatever, I think it was Bruce Smith and they like chew some like, he like pops a ball. And it's like in front of that little nerdy kid or something like that. And he's like, intimidation. I, I mean, yeah. it's funny or anything. But the, the time, I was like, that's badass. Yeah. And <laughs> Spike. Spike <laughs> don't play with girls. Oh, yeah. I think I it was, might have been uh, LT. It was either I LT or Bruce that was. I think it was Bruce Smith. I think that was when LT was... Bruce, I mean, yeah, LT probably shouldn't have been around like fourteen-year-old girls at that time. No, <laughs> no, it's definitely in a movie. He, Bruce, LT is in Waterboy. Yeah, he's in Waterboy. Waterboy. Yeah, I, I almost said Happy Gilmore, but you're right. Yeah, no, Adam Sandler, Waterboy, and he says like, "That's why you don't do crack." <laughs> yeah, don't do crack. All right, Rod, you want to okay. go? Uh, 
So mm-hmm. um, my pick is going to be, and I think you you guys may have seen this one, but it's uh, it's actually Natalie Portman's debut onto the silver oh. screen, but uh, also <laughs> another favorite of mine, Janet Reno, I believe is his name, but you, it's not pronounced like that, Janet Reno. Janet it's pronounced Reno. like the French guy. Oh, 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 I mean, I know what movie you're going to pick, but I don't, I can't remember that guy's name, but go oh, ahead. This is a great movie. I know what you're talking about. Leon yeah. the Professional, though, gets my, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also got the best villain. Um, what is that's that? Greg, that's Greg Oldman. Yes, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman plays, and the, just the final scene in that movie is awesome. Um, that, that, that goes for my pick, though. You went into the Preston Bernstein vault for that one. If I if I remember correctly, that was uh, that was a Bernstein pick. It's it's Gene okay. Reno, not Janet <laughs> Reno. Yeah, uh, that was the uh, former Attorney General under. Uh, Bill <laughs> Hold on, we're getting uh, our political commentators calling it what? Will Ferrell did an impression of Janet Reno in SNL. Oh yeah, in he uh, would fight with uh, Rudy Giuliani. She's got a great collection of pantsuits. Is that what you call those? Yeah, she would always wear like this, uh, like all blue. Yeah, like denim thing. That was uh, she. She was a part. She was the AG when the um, Alien Gonzalez thing went down. That's right. I mean, she's definitely an intimidating lady. I definitely didn't keep up with politics at the time, but I do remember uh, <laughs> Will yeah. Ferrell's. I mean, I remember Will Ferrell's impression more than I actually remember her herself. You know, he like bust through walls like the Kool Aid Man, right? Yeah, he'd, he'd he'd, bust through stuff. And he'd always rile up someone by, "How come my conscience is so clean?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but that's obviously has nothing to do with a. Uh, Rod's pick, which is is a great movie, but now we're talking is, about Carol yeah. SNL. Uh, that is weird. Was that Natalie Portman's first movie? Was that like her first one to star in, or I'm, I don't really know. I don't really follow. One first, what what's up? It has to be one of the first. I mean, she was like, yeah, she's. It, it was released in '94, um, so she was 12 years old, and it is her debut. Over. It's her debut before a Broadway <laughs> debut, even. Oh wow. Uh, okay, uh, Preston, do you do you want to move on or? Do, or uh, I'm gonna go with one right here. Um, so I don't know if y'all remember this. It was it came out in 2006, um, and it was um, obviously based on 9/11, but it was the film United '93. Oh my God. Wait. <laughs> I don't know if y'all seen it, but it is very intense. But what I liked about it, it's just seems weird saying like about something like that, but is that it was, it was like just a very, like, this is what happened. Here's the uh, point of view kind of from like a different, uh, um, you know, whether it's like the terrorists or uh, the people in all the air control rooms. I mean, it was, it was just like reporting how this went down. There was no, there were no big actors. Um, in fact, I think some of the people who were in the film were people like, um, like especially in the air control room who, who actually were there on that day. Uh-huh. 
and there's just no there's no like it's not flashy what was that the one with Nicolas Cage and uh what's that actor's name something Pena I think it was just called like 9-11 or something. I don't know and it was just like overly dramatic it was ridiculous they're like caught in the rubble and like talking to each other and this one just uh it was just straightforward and it was really intense and I remember just like thoroughly enjoying it in the theater and just thinking, wow, that was really well done. Like it wasn't over the top. Um, and I don't know, it's one of those films you saw and you're like, hmm, this will probably be up for best picture. But then I guess the fact that there were no big names, um, I don't know how big the budget was, but I mean, it, it was about as real as it could get besides, you know, those true TV documentaries you see of the actual footage. But I mean, it was, it's really good. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it um has anyone seen it i haven't seen it and uh i, I mean but like you said if, if it's 100 percent real there's no re no reason to like sensationalize uh <laughs> a moment like that especially when the the villains and the victims are so clear-cut i mean sometimes when movies and people like take stories they want to act like it's more complicated or blurry than it seems or something like that, but in a situation yeah. like that, there's absolutely no reason to embellish the story to do anything. Right. You've got terrorists and you've got people that are trying to save lives and stuff like that. There's really nothing more to get out of than just tell yeah. the damn story. And he and he that's the thing is uh the director, Paul Greengrass, he didn't focus like on any uh part of that whole, you know, that whole day more than the other. I mean, he he and he's kinda he's kinda known for like being a very like realistic like this is kind of how it went i think he did captain phillips which was also a really good movie uh, yeah i mean it's just it's really good i would suggest watching it there's not a dull moment um and it, obviously you know we were all around for that day so it, it certainly it's 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 intense yeah okay. um all right, so we're going to do the snake around. So Preston is technically your pick again, unless you, unless you think you can go again. Each. Um, let's see. Ah, this is so tough for me. Uh, you know, this is the first one that came to mind. So I think I'm just going to stick with it. And I, we, I know we've all seen this movie. And we probably love it. But I picked Big Fish. Ooh. Um, for those who don't know, we're all from Montgomery, Alabama. And were you were you in that movie? Did, did, were you on the extras? Did you? I do was it? not one of the extras. Uh, but I think you could see Rod in one of the scenes. Rod, you're in the movie. He's yeah. in the fishing for sure. Oh goodness gracious! What scene were you in, Rod? I mean, I just remember when it came out. We all got like still frames of everyone, and it was. Uh, but obviously, you didn't go to MA with us. Oh, shit didn't go to school with us i'll edit out ma uh but uh, so i didn't really know I, no one was saying here's rod budman and big fish so i didn't see you I, I should go back and watch it i didn't know you were in it well yeah i mean that was kind of my breakthrough was you know that <laughs> simon says um before simon says i was well known for being in the biggest scene is that's just what we called it in big fish yeah. but it's basically when they're the town square with like 500 people yeah um that that guy oh cool. yeah yeah i was there too i was actually at the uh one of the weddings i was there in the back yeah <laughs> i was being carried like a baby by that seven foot tall giant that they had that was walking well, the town. That, that, that's me 
Matthew, yeah. I think you, you danced with uh, Priscilla Cromlin in that one scene. Dude, I mean, didn't you and McGregor live right next to what, like two of our friends, right? He lived in, he lived across, uh, around the corner from Hill. Yeah, and like right across the street from JT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like he lived like right in the middle of the JT and Hill circle or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's wild to even think about now that that's what's happening. The, uh, and I know Danny DeVito used to sort of be a regular at some places. A lot of parents used to go and stuff. And like, yeah. I, I don't know. So it's, with uh, Jimmy, he would, they would frequent like 1048. And what, the, the giant, uh, I think his name was something like, I, I think his name was Matthew. <laughs> I, think, I think it actually was. Matthew McGorry, maybe. Oh, we'll look into that. I remember, but he, uh, <laughs> he has since passed. Rest in peace. But he would also <laughs> up at 1048. Which Dude, is just, I wonder if he had like Andre the Giant type stamina in terms of how much he could drink or if he had something, uh, probably not the same type of stamina, but I wonder if he could just pound, pound, pound beers. Yeah, I think Andre the Giant, was. it was discovered he had multiple stomachs. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah, Matthew McGorry, yep. He was 7'6". But anyway, it was a great, great movie. I mean, I think it had some mixed reviews. I, I love Tim Burton. I love Danny Elfman. I love the music. I love just like that, the magical kind of atmosphere it had, um, the storytelling, um, and just also like just how it kind of took you through this person's life and, and all the grand stories that he would tell. And, you know, you kind of, in different times, different parts of the movie, you would kind of relate in a way like, or like, all these different characters, you're like, huh, like, you know, I could, like, have I ever counted somebody like that in my life? Or like, you know, it, was just, it was just a really good film. I think at the time, like, we were in, like, high school or, like, ninth or tenth grade or whatever, and it wasn't as relatable then as it is now because we're kind of at that age of Ewan McGregor's character, not, not that our parents are dying or anything, but I think we sort of have gotten old enough to know when some, sometimes our parents are calling bullshit or something like that. And you can sort yeah. of be like, you've gotten a little bit more skeptical of what your parents have to say. So you almost, not that you dislike your parents or don't like your parents, but you kind of know that maybe they were leading you astray in terms of different stories they were telling. And it's sort of like you can, you understand his skepticism, but then you also understand that it was out of love and out of appreciation. And then you also, you understand that some of it's a lot true too. So no, I think, I think there's a, uh, I think at the time I didn't think it was that great, but I have watched it in the past couple of years and I, I do relate to it more than I used to. Yeah, so. and I, between you and McGregor and Albert Finney, who they both do a great job portraying that character in different stages of his life. Like, yeah, I think Albert Finney, like, I kind of, like, I don't know, something about him when I would watch him, it kind of reminded me of my, my grandfather or it just the way, um, like, when he would tell these grand stories, like, I, <laughs> I would, like I, I think I've heard this person speak. <laughs> this is outrageous. But it's yeah. uh yeah, really good. Rod, you got any insider notes for this? Um the reason or? that I'm kind of just taking a back seat is I thought I was gonna have a bigger role. I was promised two minutes of screen time. <laughs> so I actually have never seen the movie. Oh really? <laughs> I, yeah. I get that. I get that. You're jaded. Yeah. 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 They cut your scenes like you probably read a few with Danny DeVito. They were like, Danny really liked you, but Tim Burton just didn't think it was working out. Yes, that's what it was, really. <laughs> uh, or maybe Danny told you that he liked you and then went to Tim Burton and said, I can't have somebody taller than me next to me, you know, like kind of thing. Uh, 
even though that's what happened in every scene he's in. Rod, uh, do you want to go to your number two? Or you? Yeah. So my number two is going to be um, Mud. <laughs> mud with Matthew McConaughey? Mud. Yeah. I love it. Sweet, dude. I love it. <laughs> I like that. Um, I don't know if it's really still considered under the radar, but a lot of people I feel like haven't seen that movie. Um, I mean, it's a low-budget pick, even though it has a big star in it. It's not like a big, it wasn't a widely promoted type of thing. So I, I have not seen it, I, I, but no, but go ahead and talk about it. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. You're, I mean, there's not too much, you know, I don't want to get into too much, but it's basically just kind of a, what's the best way to put it? Basically, McConaughey's playing himself per usual, uh, just kind of a cool, <laughs> cool cat who's like gotten kind of wrong, like just living, man. Just living. Yeah. Is this the one where he's an attorney, or is what is he doing in this one? So that's Lincoln Lawyer. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mud is set in like Mississippi, and we don't really know why, but Mud—that's the character McConaughey goes by. Uh, he's basically on the run, but you're led to believe it's for the wrong reasons. And then it's got a little bit of like stand by me in it. And that there's these two, like, you know, little country kids who know how to skip the John boat and uh, mud staying on this little island to evade authorities. And these little kids, you know, are just out trolling and they run up, run up on them. And, you know, it's, they're all scared of them, and they end up realizing that Mud's just this nice guy, and they end up helping him, and um, it's really good. There's definitely a little bit of standby me in it, though. This sounds way more, I, I, I guess I was, in, like I said, I was under the impression it was something about some, like, backwoods attorney or something like that, but a, a guy on the run hanging out on some island with some kids actually sounds sort of Peter. Yeah, Peter. like, um, in the Mississippi Delta, like, yeah, not like a... <laughs> Caribbean on. Did you enjoy the movie, Pokey? Um, yeah, you know, it was also around the time, I think, where, yeah, he, he was just kind of shitting out good films and good roles. Um, well, assuming this has a good score, because Rod Rod always rates stuff on good scores. Does this have a lot of Mississippi blues, or what's the, what's going phen on with that? Phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Um, you got a little 38 special in there. That's probably the highlight of the movie. He probably, uh, Matthew McConaughey selected that one. Yeah. You missed the 38 special. <laughs> uh, hold on loosely and don't mud go. Uh, that was so that was shitty, good. wasn't it? That, that was so that, No, that was really good. <laughs> Those are words to live by. <laughs> that, all right, uh, it's my turn. Uh, this is gonna be something I don't. I don't think y'all are gonna remember this, but this was a, a, a TV show. Preston brought up nine eleven, so I almost I shouldn't have laughed because that's a terrible tragedy. But this show went on hiatus because of nine eleven, and then when it returned, it was shit afterwards. But it's called The Mole. It was a reality show with Anderson Cooper on ABC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It would have been a smash fucking hit if not for 9-11. And that's such a terrible thing to say. <laughs> but it was great the first season. And then, like, it literally, 9-11 happened right when the second season was kicking off. And then, like, everyone forgot about it. And then they just, they Anderson Cooper left and it just became shitty. But it was just, like, a, a reality show where they were trying to, like, do, like, tasks and stuff, obviously, to 
build up money that the winner would eventually win. But there was also a mole that was kind of trying to stop him. Like the more he stopped them, that's the money he got kind of thing versus whatever. Anyways, it was really cool. Like they traveled around Europe and did all, it was sort of like an amazing race before the amazing race. They traveled all around. They did a bunch of stuff and had a bunch of cool things to do. Um, I just remember one of our friends and I in, in middle school, we always used to be like, who's the mole? Like in the back of the class and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, it has a little bit of nostalgic value to it, but it was, like I said, I love the show. I would never miss it in middle school. And then when it got canceled, I was just so heartbroken. So under the radar for me. For sure. Totally Anderson Cooper was on that show. That's so wild to think about. He was, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I never knew who he was before that. Like, sound like I was a big news guy. I don't even know if he was doing news before that. But honestly, I still remember, I, I knew nothing about wine at the time. Still don't know anything about wine. But that show did teach teach me the proper way to pour wine. So always will know that because of the mole. There you uh, go. You know. So anyways, <laughs> great show under the radar. Not really too much to say about it other than just, I just want to put it out there. So we're sticking back around to me. I'm going to my number one. Um, I don't think this is necessarily under the radar, but there was only one season of it and it was on premium TV. So HBO. So I don't think too many people talk about it when they mention great comedies. But it's one of the funniest shows of all time to me, and I'm going with Summer Heights High. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, such a funny fucking TV show. It's so, 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 so funny. And it's I, like I said, I think it would get so much more praise if they even just did one other season. But they just stopped at one of ten episodes. And like I said, it's on HBO. And not only on HBO, but like you can't even access it on HBO now because, you know, it was produced by an Australian TV station and just sort of aired on HBO. Yeah. So, like, people still can't see. I can't even find it on the internet. So, I think it would get so much more hype and rewatchability if people actually had access to it, but you can't. So, I feel like it's forgotten in sort of the pantheon of awesome TV shows. Is this well, the one with Puck Umas? Yeah. Yeah. Jonah. <laughs> yeah. Jonah. Yeah. Great show. You know, he did. Chris Lilly did. Um, he had another show called Lunatics that was, they did a season on, I think it, I think it was HBO. Or maybe well, he Angry Boys too. He did a show called Angry Boys, which was Angry on HBO. Boys, yeah. And then he did he, he did kind of a follow up on Summer Heights High because he did did one just called Jamay, which was a character of, of all the characters to pick from Summer Heights High. I wouldn't do one on Jamay, but they did, yeah. you know. But like, uh, <laughs> he did he did a similar character in Lunatics to Jamay in that it sounded like her and looked like her, but it was she was uh, a. She was a twin to a very like young, like blonde girl. And then it was his character who looked like Jamay, but for some reason he decided to make the character like seven foot four. <laughs> and, and they're like going to college together and she has like all these issues because like she's so tall and like gets her hair caught in the fan and stuff. But it, it's it's so outrageous. Lunatics was not that good, but but the, some of the characters are really funny. I would definitely give it a, a Watch. I mean, Angry Boys wasn't that great either, but it definitely had its moments. But I mean, Summer Heights High, like every single character, I felt like was a hit. Especially, uh, I, I love Mr. G. I thought Mr. G is everything, and I can't believe that Mr. G never got some sort of spinoff series or even just like a special where he did like a musical or whatever. I, I mean, and the way the whole series like built up to the Mr. G, like uh, what was it the the live show that he was doing about the girl that died of ecstasy? It was yeah. just. I mean, it, exactly. it, 
it was just, I mean, it was a great series that was all intertwined well together. And that somehow he pulled off that he played all the main characters, obviously. And he's just, I, I still like everything about that show, and I can't believe that I can't find it. It me off. I can't find it on HBO, but whatever. Like I said, welcome, welcome to Mr. G's class. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Mr. G's room, G's room, G's room. <laughs> Rod is oh, rocking. And he would just do like weird stuff while they like sat there on the ground. Remember? He would like put on masks and just like hop around and just looks like a fool, but it was just so funny. But like, and he also was sort of like he had, he popularized that sort of not popularized because, you know, I think the office maybe did it first, especially the British one, but he sort of was on that sort of trope where you have a pathetic character but then you have a like a guy that worships the pathetic character so it makes him even more pathetic kind of thing remember he had mr g who's sort of just pathetic and then he had the guy who was like mr g's sort of like assistant sort of thing like not his assistant but he was like he like followed mr g to a t yeah like, wow yeah. he's almost like he wasn't like totally a dwight but he just constantly was reinforcing mr g's bad behavior kind of thing yeah <laughs> like i don't know it was just it there was all sorts of funny shit in that one. Uh, I think it'd be funnier if we obviously knew all the Australian uh, stereotypes or whatever. But all right. So I guess it swings back to Rod. You've done The Professional and you've done Mud. So it's time for your number one, number one pick. Uh-oh. Your audio's not working, Rod. My number one is going to be Anna, which is currently streaming on HBO. Wow. And the tagline of it is a Russian supermodel is recruited by the KGB. And wait, is this a movie or TV show? This is a movie that came out last year. And it's basically like a supermodel mixed with Taken. How do you rate this supermodel? What's I, mean? I would say that she's an 11 on a 1 to 10. <laughs> I give the movie a 93. Okay. I saw this is on, um, I haven't seen exactly. it, but I recognize it from the, from like the airplane. Like it's, <laughs> it's good. It's, it's good. And she's hot. Does she get, she's, she's, a perfect ten. So she's promiscuous and also she's very promiscuous. So she is an agent for the KGB. Then she's an agent for the FBI, and she bangs both of her handlers. Oh my god! And like the second handler, she goes up to, and she's like, it's like the U.S. guy who's played by um, what is the name of the guy in. Uh, Red Eye with Katie Adams. Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy mm-hmm. is the like the U.S. handler Scare- of moles. Yeah, exactly. And and basically, just to sum up this movie, I'll be quick without giving away too much. We've got it that she's promiscuous and she's really hot, so checks off two of my three requirements. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, he, he's trying to, like, get in with her, like, you know, both personally and for her to, like, start working for them. She's like, yeah, you know, we'll have to have dinner sometime. And also, let me add that Anna is a lesbian with a very hot lesbian wife. And uh, he follows her to, like, this week-long hiatus she gets because she's been overworked. 
And one night at like midnight, she just leaves her like little bungalow. It's like those places that have like mosquito nets outside the bed, like not really doors, you know, at a hotel. Yeah. yeah. Um, she she walks into his room and she's like, well, looks like we're not going to get to have dinner. So why don't we just fuck? <laughs> and uh, she's in like a lingerie and it's just like straight to it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Didn't you say she was a lesbian? I'm confused. Obviously she's, 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 I mean, she plays her cards right, dude. Gotcha. So, yeah, she's, I guess she's a bisexual, but she's in a monogamous relationship with her lesbian partner. She lives with her lesbian partner. Well, I'll add that to the list of <laughs> underrated shows to watch. Underappreciated. All I've right. never heard of it. I've never heard of it. Like, and I have HBO and I, I get all the emails that say what's coming out, what's new and whatever. I've never even seen it. They don't advertise it. So I've got to look it up and see it now. Now that Rod is saying that this girl's super fine and promiscuous and it just seems like a great little way to spend an hour and a half. Um, so, Preston, you get to wrap it up here. The last one of the um, <laughs> gems of TV shows or movies. Um, yeah, well, again, I had trouble picking between this and some other, uh, damn, some other movies, <laughs> but I, uh, I went with a movie from 2015 with Jason Bateman and Joel Edgerton, and it's called The Gift. Oh, and it is quite good. <laughs> um it's basically like so jason bateman and um his wife who's played by rebecca hall they're like newlyweds i believe and they move in this incredible house um i'm not sure where it is but it's like just a huge mansion jason bateman's uh really successful like moving up and whatever his job is and one day they are uh he runs into this guy played by Joel Edgerton, who's like his, um, like an old, not really an old friend, but someone he went to high school with. And it, essentially the, the movie starts to go from there and that he, uh, this guy keeps showing up like at their house and he starts sending them gifts. I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say their nice newlywed life starts to go into like a tailspin because this guy, um, you know, he really wants to be a friend. So yeah. it's it's really good, man. It's like super. Uh, I mean, it's kind of terrifying. Like, it's all it's the, suspense, creep type thing, or is it like yeah. a yeah. creep? By the way, very good movie. Um, but yeah, so he yeah, Joel Edgerton's so good. Jason Bateman is his usual um, <laughs> kind of a similar role. <laughs> So it was no hard, uh, except he's a little, he's, he's kind of an asshole. Um, and it's crazy, man. There's some twists and turns and the ending is pretty wild. Uh, I would definitely see that if you like a good thriller. Like it's not, it's not, I think at first people want to cons consider it a horror, but it's not a horror at all. It's, it's more of a, uh, uh, psychological, I mean, there's some social commentary. You'll, you'll see. It's good. Okay. 
Well, I mean, it sounds – I have not seen it, so I can't really give any type of opinion on it, but I do love Jason Bateman, and obviously any type of, like, psychological suspense thrillers is, is kind of right up my alley. Um, I would watch it soon. Very good. We're about to get to the point where Rod's pulling up YouTube clips of this Anna chick and her promiscuous details. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's get to The Stranger. All right, let's get to The Stranger. So um, we, we've already sort of given a little promo of this. It's the uh, Harlan Cohen Coben book. Coben, yeah. I, I read that he has like a 14 film or TV deal with Netflix, so he's about to be already making it in with the books, but he's about to be making even more cash. Netflix. He's, a, he's an American author. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's just, that is a wild deal to give. I mean, I know Netflix loves to just produce content or whatever, but to give somebody a 14 movie or TV deal, that's insane. Um, but I, yeah, so I guess uh, I've not read the book is I assume the book is based in the United Kingdom or is it based somewhere yep. else? They just adapted it's in uh, New Jersey. I don't uh, either. I just looked it up. Cause I was like, all right, this is based on a novel. I'm going to go check out where this, this British writer is from and where this is supposed to be. And then it's like an American writer and this is supposed to be, in like an affluent community in New Jersey, I believe, huh. and lacrosse is still one constant, right? They play lacrosse in the show, I think. No, no, no. It's a football club. It's soccer, and that's oh, it's, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's part of the deal. Is that's sort of weird that it actually comes down to some weird dealings with a football club, even though there's so many other weird things going on. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, it's sort of a suspense thriller where some girl. Uh, kind of sets things off. She's a stranger. She basically kind of blackmails people, but also that it that sort of fades into the distance a little bit, but it sort of kicks off. Just She's basically some girl who goes around to different people blackmailing people and saying she's got secrets on them and, and wants money. Also fades into other things, too. So there's just some... It is There was so much stuff going on in this TV series when I first watched it. I was thinking, how the hell are we going to talk about it all? It's pretty inconsequential, I feel like. It's almost like a big episode of Law & Order where they go in different directions and some of it's just misdirection and then you sort of wind up focusing on what it needs to happen. Um, but, so we'll we'll do the same thing we did last time with Ozark. There's a lot to cover, but also some stuff that maybe be talked about at all. And uh, so we'll just sort of pick our favorite points or whatever and we'll go from there. Uh, Preston, this was your pick. You you have a one point you want to start off with, and we'll just jump jump around after that. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. We've all talked about it. <laughs> you know what I'm going to bring up? The theme song. It is so bad. <laughs> Every time it came on, I like our household would just just audibly like sigh or just be like, Gah. I mean, it's like Nickelback if they were you know, attacked by a pack of dogs and they're still <laughs> barely able to sing. It's just terrible. It's such a bad song. It, remind, it reminded me of, uh, actually, in, my wife brought this up, but it reminded me of, did you ever watch the show Bloodline? I've watched it. Bloodline had a theme song. I mean, it's different, certainly, but it was the type of song that every time you heard it, you're kind of like, oh, God, oh, the song again. Um, which, you know, I think theme songs are pretty important to shows. I mean, you look at a show like Game of Thrones and the theme song and just like what they're doing, like within it, it's, it's like kind of important to the show. 
it sounded to me like, you know, when ESPN or TNT or whatever is about to get into playoff mode for like basketball or something like that, it sounded like the song that was like the 10th rejected one or something like yeah. that. You know, like it was like they probably were like, we're going to write this and this is going to be like a big one right when the, you know, the NBA finals come out and they show the trophy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. like they thought it was going to be a hit. And then obviously every single person in the room was like, this fucking blows. Get yeah. out of here. But that's it almost sound it to me. It sounded like it was a song written to be marketed towards something rather than actually like a song that somebody wrote and said this was good. It was like, oh, I've got an idea for something for TV. Does that make sense? Like they wrote it specifically yeah. for an alternative purpose rather than saying I got a song idea that's good. They almost wrote it say I got a song idea that could maybe you could sell to a TV show or something like that because it was just it didn't feel like a song. It just felt shitty. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was quite shitty. Rod, you hated it. What were your thoughts on the uh, the whoa, whoa, whoa monster song? Whoa, whoa. That's the first thing. When I started, that's the first thing I did was a text pokey. <laughs> and was seeing if we could maybe, I was hoping that for the intro to this episode, we could get Blue Light Motel to <laughs> spice throw, it up a little. Throw in a jack straw. Yeah, I mean... It was so bad that I like missed generally the first five minutes of every episode. <laughs> like I just would start going to do something, even though I know I can skip the recap and skip the yeah. intro. It was so bad to be honest. I started to like it. No, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you said I hated it. The seventh episode, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Especially if you watch it, like, I mean, I'm sure we all did sort of, like, binged it. I mean, I watched it in two settings or whatever. So, like, by the fourth episode each time, I was like, whoa, whoa. But, like, not in a good way, but in sort of, like, let's get this over with sort of way. But if you actually, I tried to listen to the whole song and I, and also read the lyrics at the same time. And it's just, it's so fucking stupid. I couldn't figure out what the monster was. I thought, like, it's almost like they were, I couldn't figure if he was talking about some ex-girlfriend or just, like, drugs or so, like it's just like this monster's back in town like it like you can't there's no way to decipher what he's talking about i think he just thought it rhymed well and it just sort of just shitty lyrics yeah and, and like go ahead, go ahead. i was just gonna say <laughs> classic skype i was just gonna say uh yeah maybe like <laughs> This is so not really that deep. Like the monster thing. <laughs> well, who is it? Who's the monster in the show? Yeah. You know, like, like who who's really the bad? Is it the stranger just fucking up everyone's lives, all these secrets? Or is it you know I would I would hate I would hate to believe that they chose that song just by on the, the shitty lyric of this monster's back in town that was in reference to the stranger. I mean, I really would hate to think that I, there's so many other better, like <laughs> lyric less, you know, instrumental songs that you could have chosen for this show. Like you don't yeah. need to have that, that stupid fucking line of this monster's back in town cut. Let's yeah. go, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but Rod, you were, you were going to say something. Sorry. The, the song got interrupted. No, it's exactly what Pokey was saying. Is I think they were just like, uh, you know what what, what? 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 do we need to make sure is in the song? Someone's like, monster, monster. Yeah. We gotta make sure we put in a monster. And they literally googled monster because that's the name of the song, and they're like, perfect, done. 
like the the intern was like, I got it, and the, <laughs> the producer was like, All right, cool, we'll do it. And I, uh, probably yeah. was cheap because the band's not that big of a deal or anything either. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'll I'll move on to uh, my point, and this sort of starts with the first episode or second episode or whatever, and and becomes sort of a main point that in some ways disappears, but. Um, Adam's Adam's wife, he's like the main dude in the the series, whatever. His wife Corinne uh fakes a press pregnancy because she felt yeah, is it jealous or did she knew about that he had one time affair or something like that? So she sort of faked a pres- pregnancy to keep him in the marriage or whatever. Um yeah, I was I was just curious what what y'all think in, in terms of just plausibility. Do you think if you you were married and some girl tried to fake a pregnancy for you, do you think you could spot it, or do you think that it was a plausible thing? It, to me, it came across as very weird. Not only that she did it, but then we find out some she told somebody else how to do it, as if it was easy to do. You know, some girls would fake in three or four pregnancies or something like that. I mean, I feel like Adam. Like that, care you would have to be extremely detached from the whole pregnancy process. Like <laughs> to just not know that someone was faking. I mean, I, I just seem. Yeah, I don't understand like how you could be married and living in the same house and sleeping in the same bed and not understand that someone was faking it. Like I could understand if you're like, oh, I'm pregnant and walk around with shit around your stomach and act like that and pretend like you, you know, fake out your coworkers or something like that. I don't understand how you could completely fake out your husband. Unless this was incredibly realistic, weird things that she was attaching to her stomach. I think I think it's a lot more plausible than um, any of us would realize. I know that, you know, Pokey's got himself just one kinder. I've got two kinder. Matthew, you've got one kinder as well. Um, what's a child? child. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. A, a fur baby. I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think by round three and... <laughs> It's a TV show, so and you know, there's a little bit of animosity going on between them. We don't really know why. I think it's more plausible than we realize. Like, I'm not going to name names, but I mean, we know of people's parents who sleep in separate rooms that are older. Like, once you're married and like that age, I don't feel like you're like. I they don't make know. yeah, they make a point to say that she wouldn't allow him to see her naked or something like that, but it still just seems like. There would be like weird body things that she had to hide and get rid of to like you know like weird things she was wrapping around her stomach that she would have to like hide after showers and like do you, you know what I'm talking about like it just it seems it just seems so weird and such a weird thing but I guess there's a, I don't know it, I, it it seems more difficult a lot more trouble to deal with than what it's worth there's got to be better ways to lock your husband down than faking a pregnancy well I agree I, also like so. I mean, generally during the pregnancy process, again, like you go to the, you go see the doctor together, you go, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think she was just out shopping? Like, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go just real quick to go to the doctor's <laughs> appointment. I'll let you know how it goes if the baby's, you know, doing yeah. well. Unless like Rod said, by, by, uh, by child three, he's just like, hey, I'm busy at the office. Go do it. I don't give a fuck kind of thing. I, I mean, I can understand if they're very, very detached. Maybe. It just seems like it'd be so, so much work to do on, on her end. And he'd have to be so, so, so just not, not available at all for it, for it to pull it off. Uh, it just, it, it, to me, it just seems weird. I, I, and not only that, I mean, she's got to, she's got to, 
fake it to her kids. She's got to fake it to her coworkers. She's got to yeah. fake it to her students. I know that that's a little bit easier than doing it to her husband, but like it's an act that you have to put on 24 7. It's not something she can just do when she's around him. It's something you got to do all the time. So that's got to be really hard. Uh, I mean, that's just in a hey, that's just so much work. But then again, hey, I don't know. I, I don't have to. I haven't tr- had tried to keep uh, just a little spouse. So I don't know what what I would do to go through that. I, I couldn't fake a pregnancy because, you know, my body's not ready for that or made for that. <laughs> that's one anyway. storyline of about a million. Rod, <laughs> Rod, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, Rod, you got you got to. Um. To be honest, I literally probably heard the theme song 30 times because (laughs) I started this Friday, finished it, and wasn't quite sure what all went down. So I ended up rewatching it another two times. Jesus. And I don't know. Um, Thank you. There's no particular... um, Part, I kind of was confused by what's the basically the role of the guy who looks like a uh, like a mad scientist and then has like the daughter. Oh, I mean, he's he's a he's a detective and he's he's the guy who plays Thoroso Mir in uh, Game of Thrones, but he has sort of like a he winds up being the guy that gets framed for the murders. Talking about so is he good or bad? He also does kill some people. Um, yes, yeah, good or bad. No, he's a he's. What happens is is his his wife apparently has been drugging his daughter because she's insane. Because I, I really don't understand what the process is or whatever. But he's going <laughs> debt trying to pay for this girl his his daughter's medical bills, and so he's, it's, as a way to make quick money. He remember he like teamed up with that sort of shyster business guy and sort of he was doing inappropriate stuff with that young prostitute so he had like the cop guy had to clean up his that business guy's messes in order to keep his business safe in order to keep the money flowing that he could pay for his daughter's medical bills does that make sense okay Uh, so he's connected with the shyster business guy so he had to murder that woman to keep that guy safe so he could keep the money, keep that business going or whatever that was going to go so he could keep his daughter from getting ill. But what happened was, is he found out his, the wife was the one who was getting his daughter ill, so he wound up becoming sort of insane. Like, you know, I think I can understand that. He's sort of, um, he's obviously a bad guy, but in some ways he's sympathetic in that he sort of was thrust into a shitty situation. Yeah. Yeah, he's just his character is just not likable. Yeah, and he's, honestly, like, like I don't know where he goes to get his like hair done. <laughs> terrible. In some ways, he's like the most complicated character, and then he winds up getting framed for the murders at the end. So you're like, I, I did kind of, I did feel bad for someone that, like I said, he kind of he did some horrible things, but he's the one character that has the most conflicting issues that you can sort of understand someone be thrust into that type of shitty situation and then sort of going say insane but going so angry that he just felt his he was at the end of his tether kind of thing yeah i mean he got the news that his wife was like poisoning his daughter yeah i was surprised yeah 
just going immediately, you know, off her. That's what I would have. I mean, I, I'm not admitting to anything. It never struck me as like being emotionally uh, <laughs> under control. He was just always panicking and always yeah. and always paranoid. Well, that's yeah. It's like the uh, the divorced underslept, like undersleeping cop or whatever. I did think it was funny when like they went to his apartment. It, was, it sort of was like Russ Cole from True Detective season one, just completely empty. But for some reason, he had like a CD stand. Like, so he still was keeping his sort of CDs in order, which is, I think it was set in present day. So I was sort of wondering why, why anyone would have that. That's at least five or six years, maybe even more than that. No one, no one keeps that. But hey, whatever, you got to keep your treasures. <coughs> I remember getting pissed when I lost all my CDs. So. <laughs> uh all right uh we'll move we'll move around from that one uh preston you got you got a you got a point you want to make i think i, I did the pregnancy one rod just did that character you did uh you did the song so we'll keep moving along the plot unless you want to get back to more music i'd like to talk about the theme song again <laughs> um all right let's see um okay this is a pretty big scene obviously but when adam and trip his best friend right i would say and Trip takes adam basically out where corinne is buried okay so we're jumping yeah i'm i we are kind of jumping but Later in the show, obviously it was a huge scene, but Adam and his friend Trip, he's basically his best friend. They uh Trip takes him out into the woods. Is that you know, at this point, Adam's just like at wits and where is my wife? What's going on? And um essentially shows uh where he buried her and because he killed her <laughs> or kind of I don't know. I don't know what reasons there are for killing people, but it uh, seems like he, he maybe he jumped the gun. I don't know. But um, and just like how nonchalant he was when like Adam's like devastated and on the ground, like crying. And, and I just I just thought it was just so strange how he's just like, oh, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> You're like, how do you do it? Just yeah. it a weird scene. I was like, I mean, it was obviously a huge part of the show, but it was just like, hmm. Um, Rod, do you, do you have something to say, or do you want to go first, or, or what do you want to do? Okay, I thought uh, I'd written this down, because I, th I think it's a very, very weird ending. A, like like we sort of brought up, we all sort of brought up, there's tons and tons and tons of, like, weird, convoluting storylines. For it to end in such sort of, A, it was dramatic, because you found the woman's body, but there were so many things leading up to it, you thought it was going to be a big, giant climax in terms of how all these storylines were coming together, but the reality was, is just the dude's best friend was sort of doing some mild accounting fraud with their kids' soccer club. Like he was like, "Oh yeah, just took a couple thousand dollars, you know, from the thing." And Corinne called me out on it, and he couldn't pay it off. And so she was walking away, and he just, she just, he just hit her with a hammer. Like it was just so weird to have like the fake pregnancy, the woman doing all the stranger stuff and spying, and have all these the the kids storyline that they were following around with like the alpaca head and the drugs and the party and stuff like that. <laughs> None of it actually really mattered in terms of what the ultimate storyline was. 
that's what that's why I said it was like a weird episode, like a long drawn out episode, Law and Order, where like you have different angles coming on, and then you just sort of found the bad guy, and it sort of ends. That yeah. was, uh, that's what it just felt like. It was so weird that we had all these big, big moments that you thought were going to happen, and then it just wound up being a weird, weird situation where some dude didn't want to pay like five grand for stealing from a soccer club and killed the wife. But, but that it, yeah. it, that's that's what made it so fucking like I said anticlimactic to me like uh because <laughs> i thought it was gonna be a, a way bigger conspiracy and it just ended like that uh rod what were you seem like you got something to say um yeah i thought i mean i thought it was a very strange strange way to end it as well <laughs> uh yeah but i mean that guy i i don't want to like get too far off base or whatever but i always just like that he was all like uh the british sort of fashion culture where they're always wearing matching jumpsuits yeah it's not just like the kids but the adults uh it's i mean dude i'm super casual and i love to be super casual it's almost like maybe like it's like a dressy casual jumpsuit sort of culture and i i don't know if i want to be a part of it or not it's it looks really comfortable but also kind of looks embarrassing for like older people to do it yeah big, fan, big fans of puma yeah like i mean that that's the i would I, I would hate to be murdered by wearing like sort of like nylon pants and a matching nylon jacket <laughs> not that I would hate to be murdered in general but to sort of just be walking around in that as like a 60 year old man just doesn't doesn't seem to be a part of the culture we live in or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the end of that scene, too, there's a lot to unpack there. How to yeah, go on with their life, even if it's, like, covered up, like... Well, I mean, they do, they do jump to, like, six months later, and like I said, we, we didn't talk about it, but maybe we can, but I was going to bring it up. Like I said, there was a whole subplot about these three kids that were at a rave, and, like, they were... It was one of the the dude the killer the guy who killed corinne adam's wife or whatever was one of the main i don't want to say suspects but part of this problem where like he killed an alpaca and was running around naked or something like that but anyways that got completely pushed aside you never see what happens with that with the six months later or whatever like that's it seemed to be resolved yeah. and done. what happens with and, hey, and hey, his dad's dead and you don't see what happens to him. You think you'd be like, you get a little resolution as to A, did he get committed for that crime? And B, how is he coping with his dad being involved in this murder situation? Completely unresolved. <clears throat> it was very, like I said, it was, it was very weird that that whole storyline went, just got dropped. Yeah, that whole thing was pretty bizarre. Yeah, I mean, like, also, do y'all remember the name of the alpaca? No. His name is Lewis. <laughs> Kind of a underrated <laughs> part of the show, really. Thought Lewis deserved a lot more. Well, speaking of that scene, uh, there was a character that I thought was just like oddly weird and mildly um, maybe autistic, but he was the uh, he was like the gamekeeper at the the soccer complex. So he like cut the grass and did like the lines or whatever, you know, like did the boundary lines. And then, but remember, he had, he gets interviewed by the cops. And apparently he was the one who was like the kids maybe were antagonizing because he lives out in the woods by them or whatever. But the scene I was going to talk about is when Adam comes up to him because Adam's trying to trace down that rental car that the, the stranger girl is riding around in with her friend. And he basically goes like, hey, I'm looking for this car, it sort of scratched mine. And he 
intelligently says you're not looking for you're like whatever i forget what he's like your car's not scratched you're looking for the car for another reason give me some money for it but (laughs) he comes across as a dumbass but he's also kind of smart at the same time and then he just rattles off the uh (laughs) we was like the license plate number without any type of film footage or anything like i I didn't that i know it's sort of a dumb thing to recall but it, like I just thought it was really, really bizarre that a Adam came up and asked him about a random car, and this kid sort of Rain Man dropped the name, the the license plate without any type of need for recollection or photo evidence or anything like that. He's like, "Oh yeah, got it in my head, KY seven, you know, like shit." And was like, "All right, bud, that's very, very odd." But he wound up being kind of a creep. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, it was just sort of like a weird thing that sort of happened because you're led to believe he's kind of kind of dumb and then he just kind of rattles off these sort of impressive moments back to back a lot i mean a lot of moments like that really throughout the show <laughs> yeah no it, yeah, i think there's a lot of like coincidence that happens that sort of like leads a lot uh rod do you do you have any other points or what's what's going on unless we're going back to the theme song um <laughs> What what did you think about the kids? We kind of brought up the kids or whatever. Did, were you did you find it like interesting? Like let's just talk about that just for a second. A if it was interesting, or B like how did you think it connected to the story? Because I I was very distracted by it and I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I I don't really know what happened. I I know in the first episode, like the little kid comes and he's knocking on the door or knocking on the window by throwing rocks, and then they fast forward to the next episode. Or maybe it's the third episode, and you know, like the red-haired kid with the pork pie hat—I think is what they call it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, he had an alpaca head in his. Like, what was supposed to be real and what was like a fake flashback? Do y'all know? That's, that's probably a good question to ask about the whole series, though. In general, is there's lots of flashbacks going ah, on, so and many. also lots of imaginary scenes going on, and you can't really tell what what is real and what's not. With the kids, though, remember, like, she apparently it's just like casually dropped that she laced his joint with PCP. And it's like, yeah, you never know, like, where she got it or like what. She was like, she's like, yeah, I just thought it'd be cool to give you a PCP joint. And he's just, I mean, he gets pissed off legitimately, but it's never explained, like, oh, yeah, I just carried it around with me in my purse kind of thing. Like, it's just like, what the fuck? It was also <laughs> the detective's daughter who was like sending out. Or sharing the nude photos of uh, the one character of that the Daughter. girl who did the PCP lacing. Yeah, I mean, it was just like the kids in general. Where it was just, I think some of the times it was like some comic relief, like with the the fat kid. Yeah, the fat kid. But uh, yeah, there was just so many storylines within like that. The whole like bonfire party, and what was the kid Dante like? Well, the, the kid that wound up being in the hospital that was in a coma or whatever that you thought was going to have the answers, they found on his computer him taking videos of Corinne, like the yeah. missing wife or whatever. And it just was like explained away as, yeah, I like to be creepy. And they're like, oh, OK. And then just moved on. Like it wasn't anything that ever, you know, it was it was a plot point used to build suspense in previous episodes and then was just explained away in the most simple fashion. He's like, yeah, I'd like to be creepy. And then. Like it just it didn't mean anything, Rod. Do you remember? Like they they find they go to this kid's house and they find all these videos of uh, him like hiding in bushes and like sort of filming his teacher. And it just 
it makes you think that he's a, a part of some wider conspiracy and then it just winds up, winds up leading down just to nothingness. You got anything, Willie? If, I mean, if we understood Willie's language, I bet he intercepts a ton from the movies and TV shows that Rod listens to or whatever watches. But unfortunately, we're just not there yet to decipher. We can we can see through his eyes that he's intelligent, but we just can't decipher what he has to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think Rod has much to say on this part, but to bookend it, it's just, yeah, like the kids in general, like, just another weird multi-storyline part of the the whole show that just yeah like as far as like the main or the perceived main issue that was going on like I, it didn't always really tie in i mean yes the filming of Corinne was 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 uh, and that came like really late in the show too well, well yeah no like it, I, I you you saw the footage pretty early i think it was like the third or fourth episode they go into his house to sort of see what he's doing on his computer and it almost looks like he's going to be a part of some bigger like i said some bigger conspiracy to where Corinne disappeared to and it's really just it's really just some, um you know dead end plot point that they were sort of making to build suspense that wound up going nowhere um like i said they know, like, the the guys who wrote this, whether it was Coven or the the TV producers, whatever. <laughs> I got really interested in this around episode three or four. And then, like, a, around episode eight, when it just built to nothing, that's when I was like, man, this show is not my favorite at all. Yeah. Like, the first two episodes, I was like, I'm not going to like this. And then they sort of drug me in. And then I was like, really expecting some type of big payoff and then they pissed me off at the end with nothing when it just became nothing um i don't really have too much to add to add i want to talk about the kids i want to talk about the fake pregnancy um the only other thing i have is just sort of like kind of a joking point but it's i don't know if it's something to end on uh rod maybe will probably remember this i'm sure preston will too but there's a <laughs> there is a point where they try to trap that businessman and uh who's kind of going around remember like the girl who's prostituting herself on like the sugar daddy site or whatever yeah and they're trying to trap him and they don't explicitly say how she's gonna do it but she says oh he's the one who's been oh. asking me to do something that no one else would do and i was curious maybe the answer is obvious but i was curious what you thought that that <laughs> what that thing was that she was willing to do I mean, is, is it just, is it, it is, it's anal or is it, is it something more, is it something crazier than that? Or like, I, I don't know, like weird role play that he's been wanting yeah. to do this. I don't know. It's just, that was. He had looked like, he had like the, the look, he had like an innocent pregnant wife. So I'm guessing he was trying to do just something, but he didn't show up to the hotel with like a bunch of bondage equipment or something like that. So I assume it was just something relatively simple that you could guess, but. They, I, I was thought it was funny with so much weird stuff going on in that show that they couldn't just outright say it. They tried to be subtle about it. There was no reason to be too subtle about it. They were faking pregnancies and taking PCP and doing all sorts of stuff. You can't say anal on TV. Though. Yes, I, I all of a sudden, what, <laughs> when did the uh, moral police just decide to show up in the show? <laughs> I just like, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the cop was just like, do it do it <laughs> you know, it wasn't like uh, uh i mean she wasn't 
she did say she was going to be protected or whatever, but she was just like, yes, 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 do it, do it, do it. Like she's constantly encouraging this girl to just give up her body one more time for the sake of the, her her career. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's an interesting conundrum to be in if you were a cop and asking these people to sort of do compromising situations because you want your advancement. Like it's just sort of an odd, I don't know. Like maybe every single person's job involves that, but it just seems like a weird situation. Especially when you're asking some girl to do anal, so you get a good, good recommendation from your police chief. <laughs> All very familiar scenarios we can really relate to. Yeah, clearly <laughs> uh, Lewis the alpaca. I mean, well, that is a weird thing too. Is like, where did they find the alpaca? Did was that explained? Like, was was there an alpaca farm close to them? Like, I, I doubt he just he was a fat kid. I doubt he chased down an alpaca. And like killed it or like how did that happen did, did i miss that or was i yeah uh, the fact that its name was lewis like it was clearly domesticated potentially yeah. like known around town <laughs> the nice help. it would have been a bigger like local uproar than like all over the papers like local crazy alpaca that eats leaves off a kid's hands died murdered murdered Hatchet. They, they do go to the alpaca <laughs> farm and the lady who like carol baskin from a previously reviewed show on our <laughs> on our podcast she she goes through and she knows like there's four you know they're they're, they're black or white the alpacas or gray yeah. and she knows them all by name and then she passes by like the second stable where lewis is and there's like a big gape in the fence. Oh. And she's like, oh, Lewis, he's gone. I must have been getting my postmates order when that scene happened. So I, I totally missed that one. Uh I really, I really did. I think the first two episodes I sort of was so preoccupied with just trying to stay focused, but also sort of moving around that I did sort of miss. <laughs> I missed a lot, I feel like, with that. But it did draw me in after like episode two or three. And like I said, I got angry at episode eight because it just got resolved in such a weird manner. Yeah, pretty hectic there at the end. And like a lot of like crazy twists and like secrets revealed and obviously the stranger with all the things. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even really even talk about the stranger because in a sense, she almost becomes inconsequential. You know, like it, it in a sense, like she, she might have been like the the person that sort of started the situation, but she has no resolution to it really at the end of that. Like I know obviously she's involved with the gun at the end, but in a sense, she really, she's not too involved in terms of like the major overarching question, right? Major overarching question. What happened to Adam's wife, Corinne? She really doesn't know. And she's not too involved in that. No. Also, did we ever figure out if the kids were his or not? I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think that was a I know that that was a question but I don't think I don't know if that was resolved I just assumed they were I just, <laughs> he, he goes to the to the effort of buying like DNA test right I think he does but does he like no he bails I think he uh, but he or, he orders like the test and like he's looking at her like her hairbrush and stuff and then it flashes back to the first confrontation when he's like are the kids even mine yeah. and yeah, he, he throws it in the trash but I don't yeah, think yeah. Ever. well obviously with the implication of the stranger being like his sister or whatever and that he has his dad who is sort of a philanderer you do sort of 
maybe there is some lingering question about it. I don't know. I, I, I don't really care. I didn't really, I didn't really follow that plot line. As far as the kids went, I was just like, I don't see this going anywhere. So I sort of didn't really uh, do much. Maybe yeah. I'm going to be a distant father since I didn't pay attention to the kids in the show. Um, <laughs> but do we have anything else to add other than the <laughs> quick rating or whatever? And then we can, we can reveal what we're going to, what we're going to watch next, which is going to be totally different, by the way. We're not going to do it. Let's, let's rate this bitch. Rod, I know you were eager to rate this. I talked to you on the phone in our pre-production <laughs> meeting. Uh, <laughs> that's right, guys. we got two meetings before these podcasts. That's why they're so good and so organized. Um, Rod, do you want, you want to kick off the ratings or do you want, you want to go last just because you're so... I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I give this a 65. Ooh. With the 10 points that were added because of the theme song. <laughs> so I give it a 75. Oh, oh, so you're, oh, you're adding. Oh, okay, 75. So that's that's a solid C. That's not bad. Solid C? Okay, then 72. Okay. <laughs> I, try to, I like to look at it as like uh, Rotten Tomatoes type. Yeah, yeah. So what is that, 1 through 10 or 1 through 100? One through a hundred. Okay, seventy-two. Oh, zero. Seventy-two. Okay, like seventy-two percent. I think is what they do percentage. Yeah. Okay, Preston, do you want to go? Uh, yeah, I'll do uh, seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Yeah. How much? Not even close. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm going to be in the seventies too. I'm going to give what Rod gave until I sort of antagonized him. I'm going to do seventy-five. I mean, I feel like the show actually was pretty interesting, but like I said, the the payoff at the end pissed me off really hard because I thought it, it just wound up being so, so dumb that we had all these storylines going and yeah. they couldn't find a way to just wrap. They couldn't find a way to tie at least like three of them together. They just sort of dismissed them all. Like, I didn't know if it was some like weird dramatic irony, like, ha ha ha, you thought this was going to happen. Here we go. We're pissing on your thoughts. I, I really don't know. I, I expected more from, you know, a New York Times bestselling author to have, you know, have it tied together more. Um, hands were tied, Matthew. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I imagine just the way that these guys like shit out books, even though they're super talented writers and obviously can come up with great stories or whatever, that it just doesn't even matter to them at this point. They're just like, yeah. They got a book deal and they know it's going to sell because they got loyal followers, so it doesn't matter. Um, they know people are going to read the next one. Just, yeah, like, just rewrite it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I know. Like my grandmother and my granddad are going to read whatever this guy shits out. I guarantee it. I go to their house every single year down in Tampa. The walls are covered with Harlan Coben, James Patterson, Daniel Steele. So, I mean, if we want to build our audience based on like the 65 to 75 year old genre, we'll do a Daniel Steele. That's a solid demographic. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some uh, aprons I need to sell, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up uh, at least our ratings. We're going to do – I'm going to let y'all pick, All right, even though – because I'm an indecisive loser. But either we're going to do Bloodsport or Mortal Kombat next. Do y'all have a preference or do you care? For the – for your pick, the pick. For my pick. I'm gonna let y'all just like I'm gonna let you, and then I'll be the final decider. If you guys both want to do Bloodsport, then it doesn't matter. If you guys will both want to do Mortal Kombat, if y'all are y'all pick options, 
Bloodsport. Is Bloodsport with my fellow co-star John Claude? Yeah, yeah, he's a he's uh, a villain just like you. That's my pick. I'm assuming Pokey's picking Mortal Kombat though. Absolutely. Uh, so you're. I'll do Mortal Kombat. Okay. All right. So we're doing Mortal Kombat next. It just got added to Netflix. It's an, <laughs> a crazily terrible, funny movie, but at the same time, I think it'll be really, really fun to talk about just because it's yeah, so simple and so much fun. It's been uh, so long, Matthew. What? It's been so long since I've seen the show. What, Mortal Kombat? Or the movie, yeah. I know. It'll still be fun to rewatch it and then realize how shitty it was, but then also you can go play the game and and also get a little deeper dive into the characters, too. But no, <laughs> Mortal Kombat 1, not any of the other ones. I don't know if Mortal Kombat 2 is on there or not. So we're just doing the original Mortal Kombat um, next. So, like cool. I said, still listening. Um, subscribe, like, do everything that just makes our podcast shine even brighter than it already does because it shines pretty fucking bright in the podcast world. Um, leave reviews. Leave five-star reviews. Uh, do, and if do, you don't want to leave a review or you don't think it's five stars then just don't leave a review yeah exactly we've already got six five star reviews and then one person who has no idea what the fuck they're talking about left us a four star review i saw that you know i still appreciate the four star review whoever you are um you know but hey hey, look we're trying to build an audience here so just be a little bit more considerate (laughs) all right so you guys got any like final thoughts final words uh before we log off um I'm just really hungry. Yeah. Rod, I think he already ate. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. I really appreciate it. Peace out. Oh, 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 oh.